At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A few years ago, I was renting an apartment with a girl I worked with. Our apartment complex was one of those with multiple buildings that all have two units on each side. One upstairs, one downstairs, with four total apartments per building. We worked as managers at a movie theater, so our schedules usually alternated, so we weren't usually home and awake at the same time. I woke up one Saturday night at around 2 a.m. to the sounds of voices in our living room. My roommate had closed at work that night, and closers almost never leave before 1 a.m. So I thought maybe she might have come home and decided to watch some TV before going to sleep. After listening for a minute, I realized the voices were moving around and the volume fluctuated too much to be on TV. Sounded like two men talking to each other. And the only phrase I was able to hear was someone saying, They're not fucking here, man. And a hushed but aggressive tone, which is never a good thing. I knew that my roommate wouldn't have people over so late without at least sending me a text. And we had a team-building event the next day at 8 a.m. so she wouldn't have anyone over when we had to be up so early. I knew whoever it was was not supposed to be in my apartment. I grabbed my phone and rolled over onto my stomach so I could hide the glow from my phone under my pillow in case whoever was out there decided to open my door and look in. I turned my ringer off and dialed 911. I gave them my address and told them that I could hear people in my living room. The dispatcher said there was a car in the area and that they were less than two minutes away. Two minutes later, she said they found the apartment and the door was wide open, that I needed to go outside and that the police were waiting right outside. I was terrified to go outside because I didn't know if these guys were still in my home. So I snuck out of my bedroom and then moved as quickly and quietly as I could through the living room and out the front door. The officers met me at the bottom of our stairs and asked if anyone else should be in the apartment before they went in. I said that my roommate should be the only other person home 
that she would be in her bedroom. They came back a minute later and said, So the two guys asleep on your couch shouldn't be there? I said they absolutely shouldn't be there. Police woke up my roommate and brought her outside, and we sat in one of the police cars while they handled the guys inside. They were escorted out without incident, and when the officers asked if we wanted to press charges, we said 100% yes. After they were taken away, we went back inside, and one officer came in with us and said that one of the men thought he lost his phone. She looked around and didn't find it, but she did point out that there was a big crack in our doorframe where they might have tried to force their way in. My roommate notified our landlord about what happened so that they could repair the doorframe. The landlord replied by forwarding an email they had received from another tenant. The tenant apparently lived in the building next to ours and he was also in the top right unit. He had two friends visiting from out of town for the weekend and they all had gone out drinking and ended up back at his apartment. At some point, these guys woke up and decided that they wanted to go back to sleep at their hotel instead of crashing at his place. They left his apartment to call a cab, but when they couldn't find one, they decided to go back to his apartment. Luckily, this neighbor took full responsibility and paid to have our doorframe replaced. But we didn't renew our lease after that. I developed severe anxiety regarding having people break into my home that lasted a long time. It's been improving through anxiety meds and the addition of a home alarm in the form of a 90-pound pit bull mix. A month or so after this incident, I received an envelope in the mail that contained two letters. They were very non-apologetic apology letters from both men just talking about how they had learned the problem with excessive drinking and that they were going to make sure that they didn't do anything like that again and blah blah blah. The crazy thing is we found out that these guys were med students so I shudder to think about one of these guys being my doctor someday. I never saw their faces again, so I will never know for sure if the man taking care of my physical health one day might be one of the men who caused so much harm to my mental health. It's crazy how one drunken night can cause these two men to break into the wrong home, or break in a home at all. It was also pretty terrifying how the police asked a girl to come outside, especially since they were unaware that the two men were even on the couch. What could have happened if these two men had bad intentions and were waiting for her on the other side of the door? One commenter on this Reddit post pointed out that when the men mentioned they're not here, they were definitely talking about the people who lived in the other apartment. I'm sure hearing that phrase from a stranger would definitely freak me out.
I actually had a very similar experience myself, except for me, I didn't wake up. One morning, I woke up to the door being unlocked in my apartment, and the window in our kitchen was wide open. I was shocked to see it open like it was because we never had it wide open, and plus the screen was taken off. Nothing was stolen, so it was quite puzzling how it happened. I text my housemates to see if they may have left the door unlocked overnight, or may have opened the window in that manner, and none of them were called doing either. Since nothing was stolen, I kind of just shrugged it off. But a few hours later, I heard the doorbell ring, and a girl from another apartment building comes knocking on our door and claimed that her boyfriend had come late at night and actually broke in thinking it was their house. Keep in mind, the apartment building we live in, there are about six other identical apartment buildings on our block, and they all literally have the same exact design. The only differences between our apartments could be the location of the driveway or slight differences in color, which are very hard to notice at nighttime. It kind of struck me as odd that our boyfriend would mistake our place for theirs since our side of the apartment building was next to a gate and their apartment was next to a driveway. Apparently he was locked out at night, found a bucket near our window and climbed on top of it. And since our kitchen window was unlocked, he took the screen off, slid the window open and climbed in. Realizing how unfamiliar the place was, he freaked out and ran out the door scared that he was going to go to jail. Had the girl never came and told us, we would have never known he came in. We didn't end up pressing charges, but it has definitely put me on edge about the security of our home, knowing that if we left something unlocked, we were so vulnerable, and knowing that someone could break in, and we would not have any clue because it's so hard to hear anything. Before you go to sleep, do yourself a favor and check the locks on your windows and doors because you don't want to give someone that easy chance to come in your home. Well, that's enough for me going on about this story. I will now present the next caller who has a story about her experiences living in a haunted military base. Hey Mike, um, I have actually submitted this previously on different sites. However, um, it's regarding a time that my husband was active duty military. We were living on a base in Fort Meade, Maryland, um, where the NSA and the EPA are located. Um, on that base, there are a variety of different suspected hauntings um, just given the amount of experimental um, ex the amount of experiments that went on there as well as the number of POWs, French POWs and um, various graveyards. And essentially what happened, we moved on base into Muse Forest 
um, the day after we moved there. My husband went to PT at 4.30 a.m. It was just me and my son. Um, there were footsteps that came up the stairs as soon as my husband left. Wooden stairs, somebody ran down the hallway. Um, my bedroom door never opened. And this would happen every morning for the first three months that we lived there. Um, there were times when we would hear crying from children coming from behind our headboard. Uh, there were no neighbors on either side of us because this specific division was set to be demolished within the next two years, so they were not moving any new people in. The neighbors next to us in a separate row of homes had heard someone breaking a window in the middle of the night and um, he grabbed his bat and ran around the house, inspected the house. No one was there. Um, it's also worth noting that we did have two uh, cement brick walls on either side of our house where adjoining townhomes would be. And we would hear knocking and voices coming from within those walls and nobody lived on either side of us, plus it was brick. There have been numerous reports of strange animals such as the albino uh, pygmy deer with two extra legs that pointed up from its chest and um, some type of hairless creature that I did actually see running alongside um, the road when I was driving into my housing complex. Uh, a lot of weird things had happened on that base. I think if you look it up, um, you'll see that a lot of people have had the same experiences. That particular neighborhood has since been demolished and rebuilt. Um, have not heard anything else from the people living in the new development. Um, I know my son, um, his toys would at night go off even without batteries. A couple of times I would be home alone and I would hear somebody gasping like <gasps> right behind me. Nobody was there. There was um, just a lot of very strange things that happened and I think it's worth discussing. Thank you so much. Love your podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. I actually did look closer into Fort Meade in Maryland, and there are in fact a lot of stories of how haunted the base is, and these stories sounded very similar to the caller story. Unexplained sounds, sounds of footsteps right outside the door, loud crashes, and even the sound of someone entering the home. Just to touch on the history mentioned by the caller, regarding Fort Meade. Fort Meade once served as a prison camp for German and Italian prisoners of war, with some of these prisoners dying and being buried in this very fort. The fort also has an abandoned asylum, Forest Haven Asylum, which was once an institution designated to treating children who are mentally ill or disabled, and it was a great place for treatment for a long time, as there were a multitude of doctors 
providing treatment, and even care workers who had trained the young patients so that they could be workforce ready. However, when funds dried up and qualified practitioners began to be replaced by less qualified workers who were willing to work for lower wages, things changed. The workers would abuse and run harmful medical experiments on the young patients and begin to neglect them, leading to over a 100 deaths in which the dead would be buried in an unmarked graveyard. These two pieces of history could explain why Fort Meade is so haunted. Another part of the story the caller mentioned was regarding a strange creature, the albino pygmy deer, with two extra legs that pointed up from its chest. Have any of you encountered anything like this? I couldn't find any mentions of this online, but if any of you know anything about this strange creature, I would love to hear about it. During my time in the Army National Guard, I worked at the Joint Forces Training Base in Los Alamitos, and there were always talks around the base about the Liberty Theater. The Liberty Theater was an old historic theater where we generally had briefings and occasional death by PowerPoint events. When the base opened back in the 1940s, the theater was a lot more exciting as it held many entertaining acts for the habitants of the base, mainly military personnel awaiting deployment to go overseas. It was quite the show at the time, since many famous acts would come by to perform since the base was so close to Hollywood. During this time there were two regulars, a nurse and a sailor who would never miss a show. And apparently, their spirits are still hanging around the theater, waiting for someone to entertain them. There had been multiple encounters at this theater with these two ghosts, along with another third ghost whose origins are unknown. The nurse, Etika Alcorn, was a head nurse that served in the military hospital adjacent to the theater during 1943 to 1948. Her spirit is known to turn the lights off and on, and close and lock doors. Apparently, Edna's ex-lover left her for a woman with red hair, and it is said that she would automatically despise any girl with red hair if they enter the theater. One worker at the theater, who has red hair, claims that she has to play 40s era music to get her on the ghost's good side. The second ghost, a sailor, is said to be seen sitting in the seats and sometimes whispering to actresses that are on stage. And as for the third ghost, an elderly ghost woman is said to be seen in the dressing room. When I was at the base, there were always talks about a murder that took place back in the day. A jealous woman murdering her husband would slit her husband's throat and then throw herself over the balcony inside the theater. But I could not find any stories to confirm such an event happened. But it was quite an interesting tale at the time. One thing I could say is, every time I walked in that theater, the air was just cold. 
was a dark energy, something you would feel whenever you walked in there alone. Well, it's time to move on to the next tale. The next tale we will be talking about is a crazy doppelganger story about a guy who felt like he and his wife had entered another dimension. After this story, we will take a break for our sponsor for this episode. worked at a tattoo shop in Arizona, across the river from Laughlin, Nevada. It was February and people were spending tax returns on tattoos. I don't remember the exact day, but it was crazy busy. I got stuck with a family and tattooed until about 3 a.m. They were generous people and after all said and done, I had made over two grand. My wife had been waiting all night for me, so in a spur of the moment decision, we decided to go across the river to the casinos and spend money. I don't gamble and don't really drink and just never really been interested in that stuff. But that night, it sounded fun. Soon as we got out of the car at the first casino is when I noticed things were odd. The valet ran up to me and looked kind of confused why I'm in the car. Like he even looked at my car and made a joke about, oh, this way you can probably just drive around. I was even more confused. I told him I would park my own car and did so. As we walked into the casino, people were looking at me, like backing up and making room for me to walk by and nodding at me just acting weird my wife was like what the fuck man why is everyone treating you like this at first I wrote it off to people just being nice and doing their jobs and whatnot but it kept getting weirder people kept staring at me and holding doors my wife is asking me if I have some secret life or something it didn't register at the time but one of the bartenders said It's strange to see you here this time of the day. It was like 4 a.m., so I thought it was small talk. For hours, I gambled roulette and kept winning. I never played roulette in my life. All night slash morning, people kept staring at me, looking away when I locked eyes. I even, like, walked up to some dude that was looking at me and said, What's up? And he was like, Oh, hey, bro, I I just noticed you. I'm sorry. I was shocked. This guy was legit nervous to be talking to me. I'm not famous or a gangster or anything. We thought maybe because I tattooed a lot of people, but I usually recognize clients, and they always treated me like a friend. I then saw this weird old slot machine that only gave away silver dollars, but it only took silver dollars. I was excited, so I went to find where I could get silver dollars to put in the machine. And the cashier was like, what? I told her it was for the machine, and she was adamant that there was no machine like that. I went back to find it, and I couldn't. It was gone. 
people started bumping into me, and when I looked at them, nobody cares anymore. I'm starting to think that I was the doppelganger. There were more little experiences, but in a nutshell, that's it. It seemed to end also when I noticed daylight. I don't know, I've I don't, I'm not sure, but I've been thinking about it for a long time, and it still bothers me. I don't look like anyone famous or infamous. I actually have a piercing through the bridge of my nose that makes me fairly unique and would be hard to get confused with someone else. Is this considered a glitch? Hey Mike, how you doing man? Um, love the podcast, listening to you guys for a while now. So, um, let's get to the story. I have something attached to me that got attached to me when I was younger. Story for another day. But this happened around this time last year in the Great Smoky Mountains. Um, my godfather had purchased a piece of property with a trailer on there for really, really cheap. And he sent me and a friend of mine to go hunting in it. So uh, I, I know he brought a 280. I brought a uh, AR-15 308 build. And we're out there. We get to the trailer. It's, it's about three and a half, four and a half hours from where I used to live, which is uh, Winston-Salem area. And we're out in the Great Smokies. So we're there. We get there. We get there around midnight. And we're unpacking the truck and everything. And right off the bat, I have this really, really bad feeling. Not a bad feeling, just like a presence was with us, or like there was eyes on us. And start to finish, that feeling never left. So, you know, we, we got to the hunting stands and everything. And as soon as, you know, 3 a.m. hit, I noticed I kept hearing rustling coming around, more so around about 20 or 30 yards away from me. The whole night, just rustling, rustling, rustling. And me and my boy smoked a little bit of herb. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm just hearing stuff and being paranoid, yada, yada, yada. And we didn't bring our phones with us. So he's about 600 yards away in a different stand. So the whole night goes on. And at some point, the rustling gets heavier. Like it's footsteps walking around. I'm from the woods. So I'm, I'm used, you know, I, I can tell you what, when it sounds like a person or not. That's compared to an animal. So I'm zeroing in. I'm there. I'm getting a really bad vibe. And I see a pair of eyes looking at me. So I did the only I could think of. I zeroed in and took a shot point blank at the guy, basically. And the eyes didn't even blink. And I started to get freaked out. And about five minutes later, the eyes came back. But now there were more than one pair of eyes. So we're... I'm freaking out. I'm going through this. I let off three rounds. My buddy lets off one round. And we, you know, we meet in our meeting spot in the middle. The trailer itself is about 
half a mile, a little bit more than half a mile away from us in deep woods. So me and him are hauling ass out of there, and the whole time, it just feels like there's something on our ass, just something following us, not wanting us to go, not wanting us to be there. After half hour, 45 minutes of trekking through the woods, we get to the trailer, and it just stops. Everything just stops, get inside, and the whole night, every time we go outside, we can hear this type of pacing, just a pacing going back and forth, back and forth. Um, I'm going to try to find my old phone where I snapped a picture of, of the wood area, and you can see two eyes, just two red, red eyes staring at us. And he he brought us. We brought a dog with us, um, Nami. Amazing, well-behaved pit bull. I have never seen this girl bark. And as soon as we let her out the trailer, she went and she was snarling and growling and barking. And the only thing we could think of, you know, we were about 18. I'm, I'm 24 now. We we're about 18. Is we dumped most of our clips into the woods where we heard the noise from. Just dumped it. And. It got quiet, real quiet, eerie quiet, and just like without a beat, boom, pacing again and again and again. And when we went inside, it was just a combination of hearing noises throughout the night, hearing what almost sounded like wailing, and we hauled out. As soon as we saw daybreak, we hauled out, we made it home, and he unfortunately had scratches up and down his back and I told him what happened to me and he said that throughout the night he had the same experience except he kept hearing you know voices almost voice like noises coming from around the area and he started to freak out um, his story was very similar to mine and we told my uncle everything and he just seemed weirded out by it I know he went out there and had a hunting trip not too long afterwards then when he came back really early and we asked him what happened and he just blew it off completely didn't want to talk about it hadn't didn't want to do nothing about the property itself and that was the last we went out there um honest be honest with you that was my last hunting trip was that day i have not been out in the woods since i don't know what it is and i go hiking but i have not gone hunting overnight or through the night in a very very long time because of that but uh i've had weird stuff like that happen to me for for a, for a couple of years now um let me know if you want me to tell you the uh the origin story where uh we ran into a old satanic ritual shed and proceeded to piss and destroy it that 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 was in a son of a great story um thank you so much for the opportunity man Love your show. Love the podcast. Keep it up, my guy. Have a good one. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thanks for calling in. 
The Great Smoky Mountains has a lot of history. History in the form of stories passed down from Irish and Scottish immigrants who once settled in the Smoky Mountains. One of those stories is about a creepy urban legend known as the Spearfinger, which I mentioned in the last episode. As she is known to haunt the Chilhowee Mountain Range, the land of the indigenous, which is also part of the Great Smoky Mountains, it seems like her range of haunting extends outside a bit farther than we initially thought. The Spearfinger is essentially a shapeshifter that is known to mislead and trick individuals by pretending to be a familiar face so that she can draw them in and snatch their livers for dinner. It is reported that she would make sudden noises, although hikers who have reported the noise claim to not know where the source of the noise came from. Hikers have also reported the feeling of being watched while in the forest. This haunting has been enough to drive many hikers out of the woods. Along with the Spearfinger, the area has a lot more sinister hauntings that could have contributed to the scare the caller experienced. What do you think happened here? Now before I go on to the next story, if you all would like to call in with your own story, I would love to hear it and feature it on my next episode. You can call the Scarecast hotline at 213-320-0390. Again, that's 213-320-0390. Every call will have a 5 minute limit, but should you have to continue, you can just call right back and pick up where you left off. Also feel free to text this number if you want to give me any feedback or compliments on the podcast. Moving on to the next story, we have a crazy tale about a girl who meets a creep on World of Warcraft. This story will make you think twice about meeting strangers from an online video game. As a female who's been on the game for about 15 years now, I've met a lot of creeps, but only a few made me feel unsafe. To start off, I've always had a laptop since I was in high school. A luxury back then I had to work for to buy one. My mom almost took my money I earned for drugs, but luckily, the money I made in tips were in cash, so it was easier to hide it from her. At first my mom was mad that I bought myself a laptop, but she soon forgot everything. My dad could care less, and my older brother already had his own. So I started playing World of Warcraft with him at 14, and back then, girls were unheard of. So I had the creeps that backed off after they heard my age, or in some cases they were young too. But. Not this guy. This guy loved that I was underage. I was about 16 and used to creepy guys at this point. No longer a noob at the game or fending off the creeps. It was no surprise a new guy in the guild started hitting on me. Now I was 16, dumb, young, horny, and stupid. But I knew I wasn't going to find love on World of Warcraft 
where you knew no one in real life. Plus, I had the ultimate crush on a guy I couldn't have because he was my brother's best friend. But in my mind back then, I only wanted him. So it was easy to turn guys down, despite being desperate as hell for one guy. But that all changed after my brother's friend went off to college. I had a part-time job with my brother's friend, but girls at work surrounded him, and I became demoralized I'd never find love. Then there was a 19-year-old guy on World of Warcraft who made me feel wanted. I had a camera phone so I could send and post pictures at that age, and back then, I mostly used Facebook, MySpace, and PhotoBucket. I lost a lot of weight my sophomore year, so I posted confident bikini pics and sexy pictures, thinking I'd lure the attention of my brother's friend, whom was 19. So when this guy who was also 19 liked me, it didn't faze me. He looked apart in his photos, and his younger brother was my age. So, I thought he was extremely attractive in his photos, and even proved it was him by holding items I asked for. He started paying my World of Warcraft subscription, which in the long run, I realized it was to get my home address and real name. I was so stupid and heartbroken over my brother's friend. Years of teaching myself online safety and the ability to be strong against flirts was all but lost in the fog. We'd talk for hours on Ventrilo and he'd make me feel pretty. I was completely blinded by this point. He sent me gifts and I didn't even question how he had my address. Then. He offered to drive and pick me up, and it was only then that I suddenly get cold feet. I had a good friend on World of Warcraft, someone my brother met at PAX, who joined the guild and is still one of my best friends to this day. He's six years older than me, but never creeped on me, and was more like the protective brother I lacked. He caught on to what I was going through, through conversation, and was my words of wisdom in a time I was lacking any of my own. He saw something was fishy when I couldn't. I told my friend I was scared to meet him because, dumb teenager logic, I thought he would not like me. My friend chimed in that I shouldn't meet anyone off the internet at my age. I told him about the gifts, and I swear I've never been scolded like this in my life, not even by my own parents, but he always cared like that. He wondered why I would give my address to someone I never met, and the expensive gifts I got were not something the average 19 year old could afford. None of this ever clicked for me of course because I was lonely and trying to prove, I don't know, to myself, my crush or something, that I could get a boyfriend. Like that, I told the guy that it wasn't wise to meet in person and my parents 
said I wasn't allowed to. That's when things got dark. At first it was pestering over and over, guilting me over gifts he gave me and encouraging me to defy my parents. While he kept bothering me, it never once occurred to me that he'd lose his shit. While my friend was worried about the guy having my address, going as far to drive the 11 hours to my house and explain the situation to my dad as I refused to tell him out of fear of getting in trouble at the time, all while taking his spring break in my state instead of his own with his friends, a reason why he's still one of my best friends, he has a little sister of his own as well, and she's my age, so his protective nature is natural. Eventually, he made me block the guy, and that was that. But this guy was pissed off. He'd go on different accounts to accuse me of gold digging and using him. Luckily, my friend is smart enough and had the foresight to change my World of Warcraft password and even paid for my account so that I could take this guy off of it entirely, as one of this guy's threats was to delete my account. But it didn't end there. It got worse as he constantly found ways to message me and tell me how horrible I was until about a month had passed. I was walking home from school, about a two mile walk in the wealthy suburbs of New England, which I had done for many years. Many kids did this as it was a very safe town and had no crime in it. Without a second thought, I took off my seemingly 100 pound backpack, put my headphones on, and started my 20 minute walk home. It was cold so I had earmuffs over my headphones, making it even harder to hear my surroundings. I swear if I could talk to myself as a kid, I probably would just slap myself for stupidity. Because World of Warcraft guy knew I walked home every day as I talked about it. He knew my address, and I never thought twice. I was on the back roads walking home, and honestly, it was easy to map the route from my school to home, as it was pretty straightforward with only one turn. At halfway home, and between songs, I heard a vague crunching sound of tires rolling over gravel on the road, slowly. I turned around to see a tinted black car that nearly blocked the view of the person in front. I jogged out of the driveway I was standing in front of, assuming it was waiting to turn in. But it didn't turn in. The roads were dead, and it didn't make sense for him to not go around. I swear that saying that you go cold when you're terrified is absolutely true. It could have been a summer's day at 95 degrees and my bones would have been cold. My heart just sank and my breathing was uncontrollable. I felt like I had no control over my body as I realized this guy was following me. My blood truly ran cold and my hands shook as tears formed and my skin felt tight. My body felt like it wasn't ready to fight or flight, but simply freeze there and die. 
It only got worse as the second time I turned my head to see the car stop, I stopped. My world stopped. I couldn't stop staring, just froze and breathing like all my school books were on my chest. Crying silently, my eyes hurt with no tears or sound as I just stood there. The door opened after what felt like hours, but only seconds, maybe a minute. And it was in fact him. It was the attractive guy from the photos. Not a catfish, but something seemed different. At first I thought it was his angry expression, but I soon realized that he was definitely not 19, more like 30 plus. I could barely think over the loud sound of my heart racing as it froze me in place. I thought I was about to throw up as he spoke to me. He told me to get in the car or he'd light my house on fire and kill my dog in front of me. I honestly just couldn't move, couldn't reach for my phone as his words just froze me. And like some magic, we both failed to notice the little old lady on her porch watching this play out. Suddenly I hear her yell, Get away from that girl right now before I burn you alive! We both turned to meet her eyes. Pissed off small lady about 60 or 70 with white hair. I think she noticed my frozen in fear state as she told me to get over to her. Quickly. Like that, I ran over to her, tossing off my heavy brick of a backpack. It was obvious he was unsure what to do next as he stood there and watched me run to her. It must have been a sight, this tiny thin old lady standing in front of a teenage girl yelling at this man to go away. And like that, Savior number two joined the battle as her husband stepped out. A guy who looked like he had been through a war or two, with a shotgun of all things and a booming voice. Gun pointed saying, I've shot and killed men for less reason. You better leave now. He got into his car and drove off as I simply collapsed. All that fear just came out as I cried harder and harder. As my brain sifted through the past few months of mistakes. After calming me down enough to speak in non-hyperventilating words, she asked me if I knew him. I told her, kind of, but only online from a video game, not real life. Of course, explaining it wasn't easy, and her husband couldn't grasp why I'd want to pretend that I was at war. I'm sure in his experience he was thinking Call of Duty, not magical creatures in a video game, she got on the phone with the school counselor, her daughter apparently, and told her my name. I was well known to her daughter, ironically, but there were fewer than 250 kids at the school, and the town itself was small. Many staff at our school had family in town. Kids at school they were related to, either by their own children or their siblings' children. It was the kind of town that if you didn't leave by a certain age, you were stuck there. So honestly, it seems ironic, but entirely not a huge surprise. The counselor was well aware of my family 
into my mom's drug addiction, as child services had been involved a few times. She came by in 10 minutes to pick me up and ask me a ton of questions, of course knowing I didn't want to involve police as I was scared of being taken away from my parents again. We weren't rich, but we were more well-off than many. Though my mom worked, my dad kept my mom on a tight budget to keep her from buying prescription drugs from Canada she wasn't prescribed, hence her trying to take my money. She knew all of this, and knew though rough, I was better off than foster care, which was a gamble with losing odds at best. Plus two more years, I'd be off to college anyway. So we didn't involve cops, but she made me promise to take the bus every day and to inform my dad of the situation. She also called my dad at work to inform him and had a teacher make sure I get on the bus every day till I graduated, which really sucked, but I understood. Two days after this, my dad had to fly out for business. My brother was off to college, so it left me with my mom, who promised my dad she'd stay sober while he was gone. But I was used to helping her while she was high, which was like taking care of a child. I was on edge as ever that night. The creaks in that big house from the 60s, cats stirring the night, and dogs barking outside set me on edge. I barely slept. My friend from World of Warcraft called every night, making sure I was okay for the past month. We lived in the middle of the woods, next to a huge river in the backyard. So there was a lot of wildlife outside, in the dead silence of cold months. I had been used to all the bumps in the night, cats coming and going, dogs barking at every animal in the yard but for some reason it all seemed new to me as I laid in bed trying to drown out my fears in such a large house like that in the middle of the woods it was scary to virtually be alone because my mom accounted for was defenseless I was letting my last cat inside for the night and at the end of the long driveway between my neighbor and our house was parked a black car. I quickly shut the door and locked it after my cat got inside. I made sure all five doors were locked and even put cardboard on the glass doors to the pool, hoping if he broke them, it would delay him if that car was his. I went and turned off all of the lights and got all my cats into one room so I knew they were safe. Here's the thing about my dog. He's untrained for the most part, but was basically a giant lab puppy in his mind. But he growled at strangers, not barked like he did to animals. We had kept him outside if we had guessed, but he never bit anyone, and if you spent enough time around him, he'd eventually accept you. Also, he didn't growl at strangers either, so he wasn't the most reliable guard dog, but he was big and he had a deep bark. 
I mulled over what to do as I sat there in the dark with my dog, waiting for a shadow to pass by the window. I eventually went upstairs to my mom's room and woke her up from her sleeping pill slumber. Groggy and still kind of high, she didn't quite grasp what I was telling her till I started crying. She sort of sobered up and asked me to get her some coffee, and I did. All while I'm watching my dog's every move, because I know he could send something before I did. As my mom sobered up, fear in her eyes grew. Eventually she got the idea to call my neighbors and ask them if they knew the car. And after all said no, two of the men went out of their house to check the car together. The car was empty. At closer inspection, though, they noticed it was a newer car, a Lexus, and in the passenger seat was a laptop. The car was locked, but with a flashlight, you could see somewhat into the tinted windows. They never told us why, but something they saw in the car prompted them to call the local sheriff. There was only one local sheriff in town, and our town was so small, we didn't have a police department. He drove over about 15 minutes later, ran the plates, and asked the houses around about it. It was a rental car from Ohio, and he was calling to see who it was rented to, but I think the offices were closed. He stuck around in his car for about an hour, until someone came out of the woods and ran back in as the sheriff turned his spotlight on him. I couldn't see what he was pointing at with his light, as it was at the side of my house and I was looking out at front. I guess he called for backup, as three other cop cars showed up in five minutes, at which a lady cop got out, and I asked to speak with her and have her call my counselor at school to explain who that might be. I was pretty shy back then, but something about a female cop made me feel more comfortable to open up to. I told her the gist of the story. Then she called my counselor, who backed up my story, but also explained why I was scared of cops because of my history with foster care and not wanting to go back. At which a mostly sober mom joined me, hugging me, doing her typical apologetic routine, but also offering much-needed comfort as she called my dad too. Eventually, the lady cop asked if she could take a look around the house to see if things were secure and get any information from my laptop about him. In her search, she found something I didn't even think about checking. The basement door was not just unlocked, but open. It's never unlocked, so I didn't even think to check it, as our backyard floods in the spring due to beaver dams, and it's got extra sills and stuff to prevent the basement from flooding. But the stuff selling it was mostly just sandbags, and the stuff were set aside. But the door at the bottom of the stairs was locked, 
Still though, it had some damage like someone was trying to pick it. But he had access to half the basement that was storage. The door between the sections was like a front door, not an indoor. As in the summer, my dad left the hatch open to dry out the basement and adjust pool settings as it was basically the pool house and the cats loved it, so it also had a few cat beds. The section that led upstairs was locked from the inside. Upon noticing this, my dad confirmed that he had not left it open. My suspicions that the black car was his was pretty much confirmed. As we walked through the house to make sure everything was still safe, she got on my laptop as the other cops searched the woods. I gave her everything I had, his photos, username, and she checked to see if his credit card was still on my account. And she was able to see that the last few digits of his card was still showing. She then asked to take my laptop for a few days as she thought she could get some good evidence from it. I asked her to please not damage it and return it as soon as possible because I used it a lot. Before smartphones, it was all I had. After a few hours and a few onlooking neighbors went to bed, the cops came back empty-handed but left the cop outside our house and towed the guy's car. From what the lady cop told me, what permitted such fear was that in the car, there was two guns, some sort of rope, and handcuffs, and the guy who ran back into the dense woods was wearing a winter ski mask. Not out of season, but suspicious nonetheless. So eventually I try and lay down and go to sleep, but was pretty sure I was going to call out sick for work tomorrow, and I kept all my cats inside for the day. I was too restless to sleep. Every sound I heard made me so scared. At 3.30 a.m. ish, I heard a knock at the back door, and a guy say, Undercover police officer, open up! I was still awake as I walked downstairs to make out a guy standing in the dark with a gun. And as he saw me, he demanded that I let him in now as he needed to speak with me. Something felt off. My gut knew it before I did that this guy's voice seemed forced, like someone purposely making their voice deeper. And why was he at the back door? So I turned on a light outside, and sure enough, it was him. I screamed, and as I screamed, he started hitting the door hard. It wasn't a very loud horror movie scream, but more like a gasp scream. I don't think the fear in my body had a loud scream to let out, but the banging was pretty loud as I ran to the front to see if the officer was still outside. He was, but he wasn't getting out of his car. I didn't want to run outside as I'm not a fast runner, so I turned the porch lights on and off a couple of times, hoping he would notice. 
but still nothing. After a minute, my dog came bolting down to the door, barking and growling, nearly foaming at the mouth. Soon followed my mom, who yelled she had a gun. She didn't, but bluff is bluff. Somehow during all of this, the cop outside had snuck around back and had his gun pointed at him, yelling to put his gun down. I hid as the rest went down. But he was arrested. No trial needed me to attend, and my statement was enough. Come to find out, he wasn't even American. The car was rented under his friend's name, and after all was done, he was deported back to Canada. I assumed something with his passport would prevent him from coming back to the United States. I don't know what exactly he was charged with, but I think my dad said aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, attempted kidnapping, and something else. And it also turned out he was 32 years old, not 19. So I assume me being a minor carried additional charges. Life moved on from there. I had plenty of creeps before and after, but he was by far the worst from World of Warcraft. Have you ever been a victim of a predator pretending to be younger on the other side of the screen? If you happen to be playing World of Warcraft or any other online game where you interact with other players, it is best to not share any personal information with someone unless you already know them in real life. Because you never know if that person could be a psycho like the one from the story. If you have kids that play these types of games, please make sure they are keeping safe by making sure that they know not to share identifying information about themselves to strangers whom they meet online. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.